Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. It is a Tuesday, and it is not a laundry day, but it is not a normal episode either. We thought that since we have done 10 episodes of The Eagle so far, and I know I have a hard time remembering things that happened 10 minutes ago, let alone over the last 10 weeks in half-hour increments, that we would have a chat today about uh, a recap and what's happened in the novel so far, and also just casually chat and catch up. I am a little behind on editing uh, the regular episodes, so this also gets something out on a Tuesday so I can check in with you guys. And when I'm talking about we, I am not talking about the royal we this time. I am joined today by my girlfriend, Savvy, who has been doing the artwork for the series recently and is the biggest fan. I don't know if she counts as a fan now since she is involved in the podcast. She's the know. unpaid intern. <laughs> hey, we're living the true artist dream, right? <laughs> Doing stuff you love and maybe don't get paid for. That's fine. The The payment is, is it creating it? I don't know. Uh, the true payment is the friends we make along the way. We were friends before. I suppose not before you wrote the novels, but... Okay, fair. I have paid you for art before. That's true. That's on at least true. one occasion, yeah. to be fair. But but only one occasion, and not and it was art that... Um, I, I did once commission Savvy years ago to do artwork for a zine that I wanted to make, and then I never made the zine. Um, I do still have the artwork on my desk in my to-do pile that's fair you know <laughs> i'm still not going to use it though but it's very nice and i did trick you into drawing my face 15 times i feel like i've become an expert in drawing your face there's some people's faces that i've drawn enough that i just accidentally draw them when i'm trying to draw other things and sometimes it's very frustrating because i'll be trying to draw one of my own characters and i'm like i'm like god damn it that's you you're not supposed to be here right now <laughs> that is how i subliminally convinced you to start dating me oh you snuck your way in i made you think about me over and over again and then every time you were drawing your own characters you're like this has to mean something um and that that is why we're dating oh i'm confident that i am a psychologist in your dating advice episode it should be um trick people into dating you <laughs> make them think about you yes my dating advice is commission artists to draw your face so many times that they see it when they close your and when they close their eyes and um i don't know if that will lead to dating but i do think you should be commissioning your favorite artists anyway so um anyway <laughs> uh, i haven't recorded in oh god a couple months and it was actually a hell of a time getting this set up i've never done a um second person on my microphone my license for my editing software I had to actually like get because my trial had expired. Um, I had issues with the settings, but we're here. Um, so let's actually chat. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we did find out that I can't get angry on command, but I can laugh on command. So yeah, I, w I was trying to test to make sure that we weren't going to run into any clipping, and I asked her to laugh, and she started laughing. And then I was like, can you, like, get angry or something? And it's like, I don't actually think that's going to happen in this episode. <laughs> I mean, I'm not planning on recording us arguing. I mean, you do get very passionate sometimes it's, about the characters. That's true. 
Well, you know, Lexington's not in this book a lot. <laughs> God, thank God. So chances of me getting angry are probably a little less. God, that's, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the, the eagle starts out, and the working title of the eagle was James Has a Drinking Problem, the novel. And that was the title for a really long time. I started writing this back in... I want to say 2016 or 2017 when I was living on some um, military base in Southern California and it's very much is, you know, one part military satire and kind of that uh, toxic masculine culture satire. And so the novel starts off that James is drinking with his friend Ren and he's saying, hey, I think that this guy is bad news, this Lexington guy is you know probably not a good guy to have around maybe we should maybe we should kill him yeah (laughs) how do you handle your problems (laughs) look if anyone has listened to unwoven like i feel like that was very justified yeah i mean i'm not gonna argue against it but <laughs> I do like that that was the first solution. It's like, maybe we could just take him out. Um, it, someone is mowing the lawn outside, and I apologize. It's been raining all day, so I don't know why they're mowing the lawn, but I, I can't control what my neighbors do. The audio gods heard you recording and thought this would be funny. <laughs> Fair. Um, so, so that's like the first like teaser episode is... Uh, James is like, hey, we should kill this guy. I'm worried about Luna, which was a mutual friend that Ren and James had had. And if you've listened to the other books or to the Eagle, you know that Ren and Luna were at some point dating in the in the distant past. Um, and then they get into a bar fight because James kind of gets up and is being a little rowdy. And that's episode one. Mm-hmm. You know, did you ever watch the show Cowboy Ugly? There was, like, this thing where they would make the girls get on the bar at one point and dance. And I know that's not what James was doing. But sometimes I think about that when I think of the first episode and James just on the table. He was on a chair. He He had some dignity. (laughs) Not a lot, but a little bit. I imagine him getting on the table and then, I don't know, being very drunk with all his... He's very tall. He'd probably hit his head on the ceiling if he got on the table. Oh, I didn't think of that. I could I could see that. We're short, so we don't think of those things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is not related to the book, but I stood on my bed in the new apartment and I realized I can touch the ceiling and I was like, oh, wow, it's a whole new world. C- could you not at your old place? No, I had oh. to stand on my rolly chair on my bed, which is not safe. That's concerning. It was. Um, yes, your your new apartment does have very low ceilings. My apartment also has pretty low ceilings, actually. That's true. Um, it makes me feel safe. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> the whole episode is going to be like this. Um, fair warning. This is, for everyone who's been missing laundry day, this is what you get. Is double the laundry. The double the laundry. Because <laughs> you have your own laundry that you presumably wash sometimes yes have you done your laundry lately no i need to get quarters (laughs) i i have some quarters i can i can give you spot you some quarters anyway (laughs) episode two uh god what happens in episode two oh uh, okay so james James, right yeah james is right james goes to work and 
finds his assistant, Mori, and then finds out that Lexington did kill Luna um, and goes to go find Ren and deal with that. Ren is nearly inconsolable. Um, they go up to the surface. This is, you know, kind of like a classic dystopian feeling book. I mean, I hope no one's, like, listening to this episode because they're like, I want to jump into this book halfway through. But I guess if you are, God, you, what a what a time to jump in. Um, I mean, like, if you're one of those people who jumps into a book halfway through, you're looking for spoilers anyway. Not to cast true. judgment, but... <laughs> they, yeah, if you're looking for spoilers. Yeah, they're up on the surface... They're hanging out. Um, they they go up there to bury Luna. Um, Ren, yeah, Ren is kind of. I don't know how you'd even begin to describe Ren as a character. He's one of those people that comes off like he either really has everything together or like he is just in having a mental breakdown at all times. Those are some of my favorite characters. The ones that like look very put together on the surface and everything but like the more you pull the curtain back the more you're like oh this guy's going through a lot and he probably needs a hug but he probably couldn't handle a hug right now so yeah it's like the facade is actually the only thing that he has going for him yeah i think a lot of like what holds him together is kind of fixing other things and fixing other he's one of those friends that like gives everyone else advice and like can fix things in their life but then he can't really fix any of the problems in his own life like, because in the first episode, you also see a little bit of James, like, and his drinking problem showing through a little bit, you know, because he, like, can't go to work the first day. And then, you know, Ren, like, comes into his apartment in the second episode and is like, you need to get your shit together. Like, I can't handle this. And then, yeah. we, ha- we haven't gotten there yet. Oh, have we not gotten there? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yeah, no, we'll get, we'll get there. That's, like, episode three or four. I thought that was, I thought there was an in-between where he... Oh, I think I think that Ren and James' friendship for the past, because they they're in their um, late twenties, almost thirty, um, and they're around the same age, and they've been friends since they started working for delinquency when they were around like seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, and I think their friendship for the last ten years has just been based on them being like, "Hey, you need to get your shit together. Hey, you need to get your shit together." Hey, I can't get my shit together if you don't have your shit together. <laughs> like that that is just their friendship dynamic for be- better or worse. Yeah. But um in episode 2, yeah, so we're up on the surface. Ren they bury Luna. Uh Ren wants some time by himself to think about things. So James kind of goes off and wanders around. Uh, he expresses that he doesn't really like the surface, he doesn't like the stupid sets that they have that look like outside, he likes just his regular ass quiet life. Well, I mean, it's not that quiet. Yeah. But he, you know, he likes normalcy. Uh, he finds a pocket knife that makes him think of his assistant, Maury, who then, after Ren and James finish on the surface and go home... Uh, James goes back to his office and meets with Maury again, and she's like, hey, do you want to, like, talk about this? And he's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to remember 
those episodes. It's, it was a little bit of back. Um, um, this is this is the one that's one of those scenes that always gets you. Is they go back to James's apartment and they eat the stale pound cake. Is it the one where she puts the freaking jelly in the coffee? <laughs> she does that in multiple episodes. She does, I think. but the first but, yeah, time I read it, I was violently upset it. by it. I was like, "That's." I, I was of two minds of it because I know I've ha- been friends with people and had like loved ones who put like floral stuff in their coffee, and I was like, "That's weird to me." But jelly in your coffee seems wrong. <laughs> James makes really bad coffee. I can only assume. Um, so yeah, so they go back. Um, and Maury as a character, like, we first meet her, and she's very eccentric. She is the... So James is working as kind of, like, the head of corrections, and then Ren works kind of the head of enforcing and moving up to director level around that time because there was a political assassination. God, there's so much going on. I always... It feels like there's nothing going on, like, the first six episodes, because Maury, like, takes up so much screen time in my head. Mm -hmm. But they're actually, that's, like, why I felt we needed a recap episode, is, like, if Maury distracted you from all the minute details, here's what's happening. Um, so, yeah, Maury works as his assistant, and is also the executioner, and we kind of get the feeling that she was kind of a vigilante beforehand, um, she's horrible and wonderful, I guess. I <laughs> would not want to know her personally, but she's a train wreck you can't look away from. She's very, um, I don't, I don't know. What do you, uh, um, I don't know a good way of describing it, but like, have you known those people in your life that like you find intimidating but you're also fascinated by them and you you kind of admire them while at the same time you're also like i would never do that i'm against that morally but maury reminds me of that a lot like there's a lot of moments where i'm <laughs> i think i've told you she has step on me energy <laughs> but i would never tell her that because then she would and it would hurt so much <laughs> she would make it hurt <laughs> god uh, and i don't know like vigilante i do get that from her but it's very much that like whatever version of justice maury would say is justice um so you know oh yeah no she is a a terrible person and that is like the root premise of this novel especially was here's a dystopian novel but instead of one of the you know normal people it's from the point of view of the bad guys like by all means these would be the traditional bad guys. Uh, like, I don't agree with what they're doing. It's, I mean, it's a lot, a lot of things. But yeah, no, they're terrible people. No, they're they're great at making you, like, root for them, though. Like, you know, you're like, I don't know, Maury doesn't come off that bad at first. Like, <laughs> I guess you do know that she assassinates people and stuff for a living, but she just comes off as someone that's doing her boss's job for him because he can't get his shit together and show up to work and there's some kind and of I, we've all unspoken been there. tension <laughs> yeah yeah so we we find out from this interaction between them that um that James kind of has some sort of feelings for Maury and Maury is kind of like maybe <laughs> and that's episode 2 episode 3 I think, is we, oh God, 
James is pissy about something. Is is that the one where they have Ren's promotion thingy? I, I, yeah, I think that is. So, episode three, James kind of tries to go about his day as normal. Uh, or maybe that was part of episode two, but then he finds out that, like, Ren's gone around and made it so it's significantly harder for him to get alcohol and oh, yeah. other mild inconveniences that might have been episode two. Oh yeah, I always love the scene where um the dude who's selling him the alcohol and stuff in the store like makes a comment like maybe it's a good thing that you have friends preventing you from getting alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so so Ren has been inconveniencing James. Ren has also just kind of been being Ren. Um James gets upset. Oh, Maury is upset at James because James was kind of coming on to her in a, like, do you maybe want a date sort of way, even though I don't think he was meaning to do that. She took it that way, so she's been upset. Um, Maury stole some cases from James's desk, Mm -hmm. and James wasn't able to really get a hold of her and kept trying to, like, call her, and she kept blowing him off. So he gives up working, and he's like, you know, I'm just gonna go to the bar and he runs into um poppy who is a seamstress who he uh, i think james kind of knew at that point that ren liked her but james didn't really care because james was in a bad mood yeah and so he escorts her home and kind of asks if she wants to go with him to ren's promotional ceremony that's coming up and she's kind of like, I can't, but maybe I'll see you there. Yeah. And then we go to the promotional ceremony, because, like I briefly mentioned earlier, there was a political assassination that got briefly touched on in Unwoven. I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's been said that it was an assassination, but it was very sketchy that the uh, previous director of delinquency just kind of died, and they're just kind of like, eh, we're, we're going to focus on other things. It was... Yeah, Sketch. I think you get, like, some mentions from, like, Lexington, maybe even Luna, about some, like, things that happened that were, like, no one really wanted to talk about them. If I remember correctly, because I remember Lexington saying something about something Ren had said not being true or him not being able to find the information about it, but... Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff about that. There was that, I mean, that was touched on at the end of Unwoven, also, was that Lexington was saying, hey, if this whole thing with me and Luna like being on the surface and stuff was just a distraction from that you could have told me and involved me and then Ren didn't really say either way what his involvement is with that Mm -hmm. but um, at the ceremony James sits through a lot of speeches Uh, my favorite scene in the book I think is in that episode when um Ren has been carrying around his glass of champagne because he doesn't drink, and then he goes to hand it to James and then turns and pours it into the potted plant instead. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I just like James boisterously complaining and being, like, I don't know, he basically says something like, it wouldn't even matter if I wasn't here, no one would notice, and... Oh, yeah, okay, so... (laughs) Yeah, that's the important part of episode three. We're, We're waffling on about the details. Um... Yeah, James gets drunk at this ceremony, or, like, tipsy enough, and sees that Ren and Poppy are having a conversation, and goes over there. And if you listen to Unwoven, 
you would already know that Ren had been talking about dating someone. And then James was like, Ren's not dating anyone. So Ren is dating someone. Mm -hmm. And it's Poppy. And they're trying to have a nice conversation over here. And James, like, gets up in it and is being obnoxious. And Ren starts to pull a power move on him, like... Oh, yeah, he, like, makes him stand at attention. James does that. Yeah. On his own, to be oh. an asshole. James, like, stands at attention, and then Ren's like, I didn't dismiss you. Oh, like, yeah. Okay. Ren's the one that's like, yeah, no, fuck you. <laughs> so James finally leaves, and while walking home, he gets stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Don't you hate those knights? <laughs> Shucks. Um, yeah, he gets stabbed, and he's... Um, you know, he incapacitates the guy that stabbed him and is sitting on the the ground and finds out that his communicator is dead and he can't call for help and he's just like, well, no one needs me anyway. This is it. Blood to death in the back hallway. And then um, we hear Maury come running down the hallway and it's like, fuck, what, what the fuck? Like, why didn't you call for help? Like, come on, let's let's get you taken care of. Yeah. And that's episode three. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Then episode four happens. <laughs> There's a lot of James coming to and be realizing he's been stabbed. <laughs> yeah, he wakes up kind of disoriented and confused about where he is and then pieces together that, like, he's lying in someone's bed and has, like, a lady cuddled up next to him. Mm -hmm. And then he realizes it's Maury. And then he's very confused. Yeah. And then we find out that Maury is Poppy. That's just her alias. And then... James is kind of bummed about having been stabbed. Ren comes over. Ren is kind of upset. About James getting stabbed. About James getting stabbed <laughs> and how that inconveniences him personally. <laughs> <laughs> like I do love that moment because it's you know touching in a way because he's like coming in and he's like I'm your friend and I care about you and I need you to care about you a little more but at the same time like this guy's been stabbed and so I'm try to recover uh, I can't remember if that's also the, I think that's also the episode where like Ren says he has some books that he brought him and then he, like, painstakingly goes through each book and talks about what it's about <laughs> as he, like, puts the file next to his desk. And they're all different, like, military-related, like, enforcement-related things, like, different torture techniques. I think stuff. there's, like, I think there's, like, two books that are novels in there. Yeah. <laughs> but it is a pile. Yeah, Ren is a bookworm. I, I, James is not particularly, but, I mean, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, we, we have that. James definitely comes on to Maury a little more. And, you know, it's kind of like, you do like, like me besides just not wanting me to be dead. And she's like, yes, otherwise you'd be dead. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like, okay, good talk. It's <sighs> <That's> pretty, <laughs> pretty established, I think. If she doesn't like you, it's probably, she can probably be dead if Maury doesn't like you. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
does she flirt with him that episode? Is that the episode where you get the bathing scene, or is that the next that, one? No, it, that is the one where he's in the bathtub, and mm. it, it does get a little saucy near oh. the end. <laughs> that was the, the first saucy scene in this novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, episode five? You on to episode five? I'm, we're doing this all from memory. Did we've, we do? Th- did we do four? That was episode four. <laughs> three. Three ends with him getting stabbed. Okay. Okay. So four uh, is coming too. Yeah, four is coming too, and I think it ends with him and Maury getting a l- little bit frisky, and then episode five. He's still with Maury at her place for most of the episode, and it's also kind of realized that she lives in like an abandoned area. Um because a lot of their housing is kind of set up in quadrants. If you've ever been on a military base, uh, which Savvy's <laughs> smiling because she was a military brat. Um, and it is, it is how it is. Like, it's weird. You have like the barracks with all the single guys. And then like you go into the family housing area and on the outskirts, you have like, here are all the houses for people with zero to one children. And then you go in a little further and it's like, these are for all the people with two or more children. And then you get into like, I remember the one I lived on, like I'd go for these walks and you'd get in this labyrinth and then all of a sudden you'd be in this area and the houses were huge, like double wide garages. And it's like, well, here's for the very important people who have been in a long time and have like six children. Yeah. Or, or a high enough ranking that they just get a house that's big, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's divided both by rank and by family size. I, it's, yeah. But anyway, the, um, that's one of the things that I modeled the complex after. So she's squatting in, like, this abandoned, like, nice housing, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, which, I mean, good for her. Yeah. Um, so that we get episode five shit. Um, Ren comes over, they play a game of chess. Ren insinuates that maybe like Maury should come work with him in enforcement instead of staying with James and corrections. And Maury's like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of the vibes Maury gives like a lot of the episodes. It's just maybe I'll do that. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, her saying yes to something doesn't mean she'll do it. It's just like, yes, I hear you. It's a possibility. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. <laughs> yeah, and like, isn't that also when James is like kind of in the routine of like he's still at Maury's place and like people come to visit him a little bit and then they leave, but he's still just kind of there. Yeah. Like you kind of get that feeling that he just stays there for a bit. Like, Yeah, I up. think he's there for a couple weeks, kind of just vibing. Mm-hmm. Um... And then, yeah, finds out that Maury was offered that job, which is a job that he would have wanted at some point. Uh, It was Ren's previous position, pretty much. And James is just like, "Eh, you know, that's a little shitty that he didn't even talk to me first about that. Mm -hmm. Because we get the impression that James has probably made a lot of sacrifices to help Ren's career. Because it means more to Ren than it does to James. Yeah, and like... I think that's also the episode where, like, you... Is that the one where he gets, like, a little bit of a fight with Maury? Not, like, a real fight, but, like, he kind of, like, starts picking up her place a little because he's like, well, like, I guess if I'm going to be here, I should kind of help out in some way. Um, it, it, that is the one... Yeah. 
yeah, he, he, he helps clean up, and then he also very much is like, hey, are you and Ren dating? Yeah, that's right. And she's like, I should kill you for asking that question. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that doesn't really answer the question. No, it, it does imply that she means like, no, of course we're not. But she doesn't say, no, we're not. She just like threatens him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that is also the one where he's trying to prove to her that, like, it doesn't matter if we're dating. Like, people already think that we're screwing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does, like, call the other guys, and they're like, yeah, we think that you're Maury's bitch. Like, that's well-established. Thanks. Not just anybody, though. He calls Dante, of all people, which I don't know what James's perception of Dante and his relationship is, but he uh, must know that Dante doesn't like him that much. Well, okay, we we know how James feels about Dante, or I know because I had to, I was trying to do character sketches for another project that I have related to this. I wanted to do some comics and stuff for some spinoff stuff I've written and I was trying to find a character description of Dante and everything's from James's perspective the only description of Dante in the entire book is that he has a bitchy dumb face (laughs) I just love how sassy he is every time he has to talk to him he's like okay Mr. Porter (laughs) yeah yeah that's another character that we've we've met by now um, but we haven't really talked about in this recap is Dante is the front desk assistant for corrections and i mean he has it together like he's kind of sassy towards james but not in a way that's undeserved like no he's not a bad guy he's just trying to do his job he's not in it for the like enforcer stuff he's he's into management and stuff and he's from like a different department helping out i keep silently nodding (laughs) i realize that's not helpful in a podcast just just assume that Savvy is agreeing with every single thing I say. Um, <laughs> yeah, any interaction with Dante and James just cracks me up. It's such a dynamic. I love it. No, he's, he's great. So, <laughs> um, okay, we're, I think that <laughs> takes us to the end-ish of episode five. Yeah. After that, James has to go back to living his normal life, and he doesn't want to. And he finds out that he has to have an escort everywhere, which is the one we meet, Ollie, or Oliver, who is a very slight, kind of flamboyant, very non-intimidating, but very nice guy. Yeah, he's like a a good enough guy. (laughs) But I think James does like put it together pretty quickly. He's like, this guy isn't going to protect me from anything, like... If someone attacks me. <laughs> yeah, it does feel insulting to James because, you know, James is a big guy, been doing this for a long time, and he gets, like, this 22-year-old that's just, like, I want to read this book even though it's bad, but I really like reading an orange juice. Yeah, and I think, like, the first day that he has to escort James, he just waits outside, so he ends up waiting out there, like, half an hour or something before James, like, steps out his door. Yeah, emerges like a like a butterfly from a cocoon a cranky butterfly <laughs> that can't drink anymore yeah so we meet ollie um who is important later on um and then yeah james goes back to work and is kind of uh, i mean he feels useless 
Yeah, he, like, comes back, and instead of thinking, like, he's gonna come back to, like, this whole mess and everything, Maury's just taken care of everything, so, like, all the paperwork's been done and caught up, and I, I don't remember, like, the physical description of his office, but, like, basically everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, everything's perfectly fine. Um, so he kind of distracts himself, like, trying to do stuff for a few days. Uh, he doesn't see Maury a lot because she's working mostly taking cases for Ren and doing her, you know, stuff as with her second life as Poppy. Oh, um, there is that thing that happens on his first day back. The, oh, the office thing oh, yes. in the chair. <laughs> there's boning. Um, there's boning that really establishes their character, their relationship dynamic. Which is, I think that, I think that Maury and James's relationship means more to James than to Maury, but then he also won't admit that it means more to him than it does to Maury. Well, that means talking about feelings. And, and men don't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, men don't do that. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> it also brings up another scene where, like, for some reason there's, like, younger guys, I guess, like, I think there were, like, people that were, like, or kids that were, like, looking at joining corrections or something in the future, and Dante has to, like, <laughs> keep them entertained at his desk for, like, an extra hour while Maury and James are... Canoodling, oh. as they say. <laughs> That's not the term I was going to use. So, yeah, canoodling in this office. <laughs> it took a lot of takes to do that scene without giggling. Like, I'm 12, so, like, the second that like the word you know like boner happens i'm i'm gone i'm fucking gone i can't anyway i I think that all that happens i don't even know what episode we're on but then other things happen um at some point i either that episode or the next episode um oh maury comes by to nap at james's place yeah and then she has to go hang out with Ren, and James is super bummed out. So she's like, okay, you can come with. Mm-hmm. And James goes with, and Ren is looking at him, like, super weird. And then they go to the gym, and Ren and Maury spar. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> I remember, like, re- when I read the sparring scene for the first time, I was so surprised because you see Ren get, like, really violent with Maury. I mean, she holds her own for a while. Um, but then, like, when he has her pinned down and he, like, hits her in the face a bunch of times and James is like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's only, like, twice. Yeah, but, um... No, no. En- enough to leave, like, a big bruise. <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah, he-, he strikes her in the face a couple times. And James is like, what the fuck? And Maury's like... I can handle it. Yeah. And Ren is like, she can handle it. And then basically sends Maury off. They're like, good match. Let's do this again sometime. <laughs> James is just like, I don't know what just happened. <laughs> yeah. James is upset. Um, and that's when kind of Ren and James go back to Ren's apartment. Because it's like, oh, yeah, let's just hang out today. And James is like, I guess. Is that when you have James ask Ren if he's dating Maury at some point? Or is that when Ren, Ren asks James? Ren asks James. Okay. How long have you guys been a couple? Mm-hmm. And um, 
James is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And Ren is like, you have a huge fucking hickey on your neck, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. And that's also when Ren is like, you knew that Maury was also Poppy, right? And James is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it's like, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> and then we find out that Maury was there at the bar fight. Mm-hmm. That that was like what saved James's life at the time was that Maury had been there as Poppy and subdued a guy with a throwing knife as yeah. one does. Because I think in that first episode, there's like a little bit of a mention that there's like a cute girl in the bar that like giggles when she sees James get up on the chair. Yeah. Uh, turns out it's Maury. <laughs> yeah, it was Maury. So then we have this kind of like awkward scene where Ren makes a big show of gathering all his shirts that need mending and i i don't know knowing him like probably sitting there with seam rippers like ripping more <laughs> more seams out of his shirt he's like i don't actually have shirts that need mending <laughs> I mean, that that would be very on brand so yeah he's you know he's ripping the shirts in his closet and just bringing this obscene amount of mending to the tailor shop because he knows that Maury's going to be there as poppy and then makes a big show of being like, oh, what happened to your face? Are you okay? Like, yeah. can we talk about it? And James is kind of uncomfy because then Maury's like, oh, I'm so glad to see you. Like, I haven't been able to get you off my mind. And they're making this big show yeah, of and- them dating. And James is kind of like, okay. <laughs> All right. And he goes home and he's like, okay. Yeah, and there's also, like, the funny thing when they're in the shop that, like, all the other girls that are working in the shop are like, oh, thank goodness you're here. Like, can you believe someone would do this to her? Who would do such a thing? We told her she should contact you. <laughs> they're like, let's go file a complaint together or something like that. <laughs> Big play pretend moment. It's very... Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that I feel for James in the first, like, handful of episodes is he's clearly, like, questioning, like, what the hell is going on? But then everyone's going along with it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, instead of him being able to be like, these people are all nuts, at that point he's still like, this is reasonable. They're just having a power struggle, as one does. Yeah, you know. (laughs) Like, she's gonna have to decide what she's doing with her life at some point because she can't keep working like three jobs maybe maybe she can that's that episode you know i've never seen someone do it and retain their sanity for long so maury doesn't have any sanity to retain (laughs) therefore maybe she can (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna edit it oh okay (laughs) no there this is gonna be a as long as it is special. This is this very monologue right here that I'm doing is staying in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good. There will be no editing. I like uncut episodes, so you know. <laughs> I did an eyebrow waggle. So then <laughs> the next episode, which I've lost track, I think, for around seven. Something like that. Something like that. Um Oh, I think it's the first one that you did the cover art for. Oh. Because I did the cover art for 
the one where she got punched in the face. Mm -hmm. And that was the last one I did cover art for. Um, Then Savvy came in because that was the one where James goes to Ren's office. Okay, so we have to talk about non-Mori related things. This is what happens when you talk about the book. Like, you get so caught up in Mori's drama you forget there's important shit going on. Yeah, that's why we're doing this, right? <laughs> this is why we're doing this. And even we are dazzled by this horrible thing that came out of my mind. <laughs> right, so James decides that regardless of what happens, someone needs to replace Maury mm-hmm. as his assistant and the executioner and everything in corrections. So he decides that he wants to promote Ollie because Ollie... Like, even, you know, he's a small guy and everything, but he's very smart, he's super capable, and just very good at de-escalating situations and stuff, which maybe James is gravitating towards, because that is the only person in the entire world that seems to be capable of doing that. So James calls Ren up and is like, hey, I want to talk to you, man, um, about a promotion and everything, and Ren is like, oh good, I wanted to show you something anyways. And James is like, why didn't you call me then? And Ren is like, why would I do that? You were going to call me. Yeah. (laughs) And James is like, I really hate when Ren is in a good mood. (laughs) So he goes up to Ren's office with Ollie's, you know, personnel file so they can talk about it. Ren's looking over Poppy's file and is pointing out that there's nothing weird about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And Ren's kind of like, do you not think that's strange? And then he's looking at Ollie's file, too, and seems perturbed that there's something missing from it that he wants to point out to James. But then at that moment, Ren apparently sees Maury, like, in the window to his office. In the, you know, like, when fancy office, the door has a little window. Yeah. And changes the conversation abruptly. So James goes along with it. Maury comes in as Poppy and is super obnoxious and... I think sits on his desk? Sits on his desk. Oh, yeah. While drinking tea and, you know, shares a cigarette with Ren, is being just super flirty and gross, and then makes a big show in public of being like, oh, let's have James join us for our dinner party and James is desperately looking around the office, trying to find a reason to be like, no, nah, I'm good, but he can't find a reason. So he goes back to Ren's place. And Ren's just fucking in the kitchen, cutting the carrots. And James is like, how long are you going to do this? And Ren's like, this is just part of meal prepping. <laughs> <laughs> you can't control how long it takes to cut up the carrots. And Maury's out on the sofa and, like, her ass is hanging out of her dress. And James is just like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, he's just kind of caught between these two flirting. And there's just no mention of that, you know, everyone knows that Maury is Poppy and that James and Maury are kind of boning, but they haven't boning. admitted it. I mean, they, they've admitted boning, yeah. No, and, you know, James tries to call Ren out, like, it's tacky to be pretending to date a, to date your best friend's lover, and Maury's like, we're not lovers, we just fuck sometimes. Yeah. And James is like, this, this sucks. And it's like, you know what, I'm leaving. Uh-huh. I, I remember that's, like, one of the first episodes, like, there's a lot where you kind of feel bad for James, so that's one of the first ones where I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> he's just stuck with these two 
maniacs. He calls them maniacs. Yeah, because Ren, that was one of a line I really enjoyed recording too, is Ren's like, oh, you're not staying for dinner? (laughs) No, you fucking maniac. (laughs) Yeah. So he goes and he decides to call up Ollie and be like, hey, do you want to go shooting? It's a bro date. You want to go to the shooting range? (laughs) You want to go to the shooting range? (laughs) And um, so he, he hangs out with Ollie and they they shoot things as one one does at the shooting range. Yeah, and like I know there's a little bit of mention of James's family because James is like, oh, I have like a little brother that I like, but I don't really get along with anybody else. I'm a bit of the black sheep. I don't remember. Did they mention like Ollie's history at all? Yeah. So, um, and and remember, we haven't aired that episode yet. Yeah. So I'm just trying to um, like, is it? <laughs> yeah. So we James talks to Ollie. And asks about some inconsistencies with his file. And he wants to know, like, why Ren has been keeping an eye on Ollie specifically. And Ollie mentions a fire that happens when, that happened when he was a kid. That his, he, he didn't have a father, wasn't in his life. And his mom and his sister died in an apartment fire. Mm-hmm. Which, as soon as Ollie says that, that jogs James's memory that he remembers that Ren was one of the junior officials at the time that had responded to that fire. Um, that the sister, um, Fennel, had gone back in to save Ollie and then didn't come out. And it was like kind of a tense conversation mm-hmm. because obviously, like, Ollie seems kind of uncomfy. James is like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense. That Yeah, that was a big fuck-up on the part of the people who were running delinquency at the time. Um, and then, yeah, James tries to open up a little about his family and stuff, says that he kind of feels out of place. Ollie's like, uh, I, I like having you in delinquency. Like, I think you belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, James tries to comfort him, puts his arm around his shoulder, and then feels kind of awkward about it. And then... The part that breaks my heart with that is realizes like he he doesn't feel comfy opening up to Ollie because it's like oh, this is my employee he's probably just listening to me because I'm his boss and also like Maury would kick his ass if yeah she thought that it was if I was saying anything about her that you know she didn't like so he suddenly feels like super duper isolated mm-hmm. which catapults him in episode eight into getting ready to stand up for himself. Yeah, he was going to do it. He's finally fed up. (laughs) So we discussed this at the time, um, but you can just listen to Self-Esteem by The Offspring instead of listening to the first half of that episode if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I think about that every time I hear that song now. I'm like, "That's, that's it. Yeah, it's... That's that, that's that whole scene. Yeah, so James stays home. He's not doing super great. He's kind of fed up with Maury. I mean, Ren, he gives a little more leeway because they've been friends, like, more than half their lives. And I think deep down he knows that Ren probably has some convoluted reason for why he's doing what he's doing, but Maury is just a terrible fucking person. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it's one thing to be the... Because... The, he probably figured out at that point that him and Poppy had already been dating before him and Maury started fucking around. 
and then like you know realizes that he was kind of the one that jumped in on Rin's relationship with Poppy, but Maury didn't stop him or say anything. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's just shitty. So Maury shows up, and like James is at the point like he doesn't even want to answer the door because he's like, Ugh, I don't want to deal with anyone today. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's like, Fuck, I can't not answer the door because I don't want someone to assume I'm not home, and then. Ollie's ass get kicked for not like being here to escort me out wherever I went so he opens the door and it's Maury Mm -hmm. and he's like ready to not let her in yeah and she kind of just comes in (laughs) yeah she kind of just comes in she guilt trips him she kind of makes a show of being like well I took time like I have all these things to do but I'm here I know for a fact the grass is wet. <laughs> I know, it's so wet out there. I have so much mud on my shoes. <laughs> yeah, Maury like comes in and is like, of course I care about you. I've I have a busy life and I've taken this time to spend with you. Like, do you not feel grateful about this? I think we forgot the part where like, didn't James already get the knife back from or does that come later? That must come later. That comes later. That okay. co- that's in this episode. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't even have grass in front of my apartment. It's gravel. <laughs> they are they are in the gravel. They are. <laughs> oh gosh. And this is so unprofessional. But as we've discussed before, what makes you professional is you get paid, and oh. I do not get paid for this. Yeah, so. so I am not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, so they have um, what was definitely the most difficult scene to record for me. Um, <laughs> not not just because, like, it, it's not just that I'm squeamish about sex. Like, I, I feel like, and I did abridge that scene from how it was written. Mm-hmm. Because in a, in a novel, if you're uncomfy, you can kind of skim... <laughs> you can skim the words or kind of, like, go forward. But with audio, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe someone, if they're uncomfy, they can just put me on double speed. Yeah. But, I mean, it... What the hell in the hootenanny are they doing out there? They're getting ready to mow the gravel. <laughs> <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting ready to mow the gravel. They're fans. They want to hear this episode before it airs. <laughs> I lost my I lost my lawnmower of thought. Uh, you were saying that like with audio, oh, maybe someone can just yeah. Speak so you up. I I don't know. Balancing that is the whole point of this novel. Is like it, it it should be uncomfy at times. Like it's not a a comfy cozy novel. It's it sucks, and I mean that's kind of the whole theme with self esteem that I really stand by with, like, why I kept those scenes in and why I kept them as explicit as I did even for the audio of it, is James is telling the story, like, we are seeing what matters to James Mm -hmm. and when he feels, like, any shred of worth or, like, anything worth reporting. So we just have this horrible scene um, where Maury's just kind of verbally abusive and kind of coercing him into these this relations as <laughs> as Ren would call it. 
a term I don't know if you can use for this, but it's called a hate fucking. And like, I remember when I read that scene for the first hate time. Fuck. That's what I thought about. <laughs> no, it it was a serious hate fuck. Um, yeah. which you know I'm all for. Mm-hmm. Um, but really sucks when one of the people doesn't hate the other person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it, you do see like the terrible ways that like James's like self worth kind of gets wrapped around Maury for a while because like when he goes back to work. He, like, puts on a suit that he specifically thinks Mori will like this and stuff like that. But it's, like, every time he does something that makes himself feel good, Mori kind of, like, pokes at him and makes him, like, not feel good about it. Oh, 100%. Um, so, yeah, they... Events happen. And then, yeah, they're talking afterwards in the bathtub. And James is like, I like having you around. Mm-hmm. And Mori's like, I truly am very fond of you. And James is like cool <laughs> voice crack and all he's he just specifically like cool that's great <laughs> and then um it it turns out that she's like super late for meeting with ren because mm-hmm. they were supposed to do something that day and so she leaves and she forgets her satchel and james goes through it to not even just to be nosy but just to be like should i like call her and say she forgot this or yeah, doesn't like, he, like, notice it? that there's, like, cases in it or something? Yeah, so he, he goes through it, and he finds one of her journals, which is written in a code that he can't read, so he puts it back. He finds um, a couple cases that just go to delinquency or, you know, wherever, and he's like, I'll just take these and turn them in for her. And then he finds um, Luna's original file that Ren had written, and it was, like, a triplicate copy or something, and Ren had written it, like, way back in his early 20s when him and Luna were dating and stuff. And that's when James is like, Ren's going to murder-suicide her. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to blow up. Like, he's he's going to invite her over for wine and board games and poison the wine. <laughs> and so he actually takes the file and he lights it on fire in the sink. Mm-hmm. And then Ren comes by with Poppy uh, <laughs> and, yeah, James does answer the door buck-ass naked because he lost track of the fact that he was wearing a towel and then at some point lost his towel while he's just wandering around. Um, but yeah, he, he robes himself, answers the door again. Uh, Ren makes a show of kind of being an a-, a smug asshole. Um, Maury's kind of like, eh, you know, what can you do? Yeah, she's just kind of, like, on his arm and, like, I think particularly quiet in that scene, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to remember because I I changed it a bit for the audio version than for the written version. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember, like, exactly the full conversation. But it was kind of like, yeah, we're going to go for a picnic in, the like, the family housing area to see how we like it. Yeah, they were, like, talking about looking at some of the sets. Yeah. And Ren's, or, uh, James is like, okay, yeah, have fun. Mm-hmm. And he, later that episode, I think, goes, a few days later, goes to Ren's office. And Ren's like, yeah, I haven't seen her. It's her day off. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And James is like, no, actually, I wanted to hang out. And so they go to the surface together. Mm-hmm. And um, Ren's like... Oh, yes, because James is like, ah, how do you not know that, like, couldn't this just be another set? Like, it's just the same. Mm -hmm. And Ren's like, oh, let's walk to those hills and find out if they're painted on. And so they walk, like, a couple miles, and James is like, you could have just told me. Mm -hmm. And Ren is like, ah, 
to see for yourself is to discover. <laughs> is that the first time that we see Ren's satchels on the surface? Maybe. I don't particularly remember that part. Um, I don't know. Okay, maybe we haven't gotten there yet. I don't... I don't think we're there yet. I don't think so. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. You saw... No- I'm apologizing to the, oh. audience. <laughs> the audience. You heard nothing. <laughs> um, but Ren and James kind of have a, a little bit of a heart-to-heart. Um, Ren's like, hey, why did you... Like, what did you do with Luna's case? I know Maury had it. James is like, yeah, I, I burned that shit. Ren is like, why? You don't need to protect... Maury and James is like, I was protecting you, and Ren's like, I nothing would happen to me. I'm untouchable. You to protect me. <laughs> and yeah, and that's when James is like, from yourself, dude. Like, you don't need that shit. Like, yeah, that was one thing we skipped over when we were talking about the episode uh, after Ren punches Maury in the face. Mm-hmm. Is that James does call Ren out on being super hypocritical because he dated Luna and stuff when Luna like was under him as a yeah like intern that was kind of like eh, that wasn't super cool yeah and i don't remember if he like says it to ren or not but he at least has some kind of thought to himself like you kind of forced luna to decide between oh he says that oh he does say it to him like oh, yeah he's like you forced luna to decide between like you know her career or you and now you're forcing maury slash yeah. poppy to do the same thing yeah, and also called Ren out that he treats everything like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And that, yeah, he has to be right no matter how much picking apart it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of have a follow-up conversation here. And then Ren gives the knife back from Poppy. Oh, it's such a sad moment. <laughs> yeah, because James is like, I don't want to talk about what's going on with Maury or Poppy until this is over and she decides what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's made his decision here. Like, he can, you know, forgive Ren and stuff, but I don't think he really wants to be involved with Poppy really at this point. Mm-hmm. Or Maury, whoever. This this bitch. <laughs> and Ren gets all fucking smug, and he's like, I won. And mm. it's like, the fuck you did. Yeah. And gives the knife back. And James is like, oh, so she did not pick me. Yeah, she made her decision. Um, and then, like, you kind of have, like, a sad moment where it finally, like, dawns on Ren that maybe this meant more to James than James was letting on. Yeah, because <laughs> Ren says, like, Ren gets super serious and is like, I didn't realize that it meant that much. Yeah. And James just says, like, well, clearly it didn't. Mm-hmm. And then they go and have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Normal bro things. <laughs> Men don't talk about feelings. I remember, like, talking about how frustrated I was with you because, like, how could, like, Ren not see how important this was? And then you pointed out, like, actually, Ren does try to bring it up a couple times, but every time James is like, ah, it's not that bad. Uh, it's not uh, serious. Uh, no. <laughs> no, we gotta talk about it. <laughs> okay, no time has passed for our viewers. Uh who I hope they can't see us because <laughs> this, is, this is audio only. <laughs> Our, um, you're viewing us with your ears. Uh, no time has passed for you guys. We took a brief break to make more tea and eat a cookie. Um, but we're back. <laughs> it, it was a very nice cookie. It was uh, lemon, lemon lavender. Oh, that's not steeped yet. It's 
a little light still. I, I did pop it open for a second. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, the tea is steeping. Um, we are back into our recap, and <laughs> we have to recap the recap. No, we're at episode nine. I think so. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ren gave the knife back, James was like, it clearly didn't matter that much. They had lunch. And I was closer to oh, I keep leaning back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Savvy keeps running away from the microphone. Um, yeah, if you're this far into the episode, you know how the audio sounds. I don't know how the audio sounds yet, so I'm not going to apologize for it. The lawnmower guy went away finally. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> He's listening against one of the windows now. <laughs> I just I just look out and there is a man with a cup and his ear pressed against the cup uh, against my window. He's the only one that can I'm see like, us. Hi. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is our viewer. This um, this episode is for the lawnmower man and no one else. Okay, episode nine. Um, we have a lot of things happen in episode nine. Yes. Uh, you see like james like doing his stuff at work right like a little bit like he's kind of in his routine he's got his shit together it starts off like james is holding a meeting for the front half for all of corrections to be like hey this is what's going on here maury's Mm -hmm. not around i don't know why maury's not around uh, in the end of the last episode or beginning of this one somewhere in there he negotiated with ren to get some transfers from uh, enforcement and do some switch swippy swappies yeah. with personnel. They're short on people everywhere. Um, so he's he's holding this meeting and he's trying to explain why Maury's not around. Uh, I think at the end of episode eight, he had also had a talk with Ren. Like Ren gave him some cases mm-hmm. that was like, "I need you to keep an eye on these people for me. I can't tell you what it is yet." Like Ren. We've gotten the impression throughout, like, he's having Maury do some, maybe some dirty work. Um, I mean, Ren used that term himself, like, you know, you, you don't think that I'm going to let someone do my dirty work if I don't know what kind of second life they're leading. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, Ren's doing some stuff that may not be necessarily above board um, by their standards. Uh, James is not phased by this. <laughs> Except that he is not being included. Yeah, he's like, well, I used to be the guy who does your dirty work. <laughs> oh. Um, so yeah, episode nine then opens on that scene where he is addressing the front half and Dante is asking pretty valid questions. Um, like, wow, this is sudden. Mm-hmm. Like, what what happened to Maury? Why are we replacing Maury with Ollie now? Um, and Ollie's like, you're me? <laughs> I'm replacing Maury? Right. Um, yeah, and then James is kind of like, I mean, we've all known Maury. She comes and goes as she pleases, you know? Yeah, and he's just stalling this meeting because he's supposed to get, like, two new transfers and they're late. Mm-hmm. And so he's just kind of like, uh, I don't want to end this meeting before they get here because I kind of wanted to introduce them to the group mm-hmm. um and then he stops listening to dante which is what i mean he does anytime dante talks really yeah <laughs> um and the door is open and it's maury except she's not wearing like her hood and cowl because she usually she, in costume wears her like executioner's hood and you know dramatic makeup and stuff but she she has her hood down you know her hair is all out she's has like black makeup around her eyes her nose is broken 
Uh, <laughs> Nose is broken. She's got like a fat lip still, and then she's got like a hickey. I think from James. Yeah, in like their a, last a, section, like a horrible bite mark, like more than a hickey, like yeah. from from that hate fuck. Yeah, <laughs> from the, from the offspring hate fuck. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and she's with the two transfers, like mm-hmm. these new officials that are just like flanking her, and it's just one of those like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, okay, that's a lot. Like, dramatic entrance 101. And she comes up, and James is just, he he doesn't know what to say. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't think in a good way necessarily. Like, I'm sure he's feeling a lot of feelings. We don't really get to explore that. He's just kind of like, okay. (laughs) Trying not to look surprised when someone just burst in on your meeting. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. So he's uncomfy. Uh, Maury addresses the team uh, very condescendingly, mm-hmm. but also kind of like in a way that, I, I don't know, it's, we don't really see her relationship with the other people around corrections. It's implied that she has a decent relationship with the other people that she works with, because um, it's implied that like she gets invited to their off hour after hours like work hangouts and yeah like i always got the vibes that she was kind of one of the boys but like you know also maury so yeah (laughs) um so she you know she makes a deal Mm -hmm. about it uh we are briefly introduced again to uh, there's a couple of names that like get dropped repeatedly roger's one of them um and i don't think he's super duper important in this book but he comes up in other books um but yeah. he's he's like your face, Maury. <laughs> and Maury's like, Have I got something on my face? And it kinda like plays it up like, ah, ha ha, yeah, no. I yeah. don't need to wear a fucking costume anymore. And then she kisses James and he's still like <laughs> and then leaves. Uh and then James is like, Well, I guess this meeting is over. And everyone kind of just starts putting the chairs back like that was reasonable. Yeah. And then um, a guy that we also met briefly earlier, he, he's not that important, but he, he's like, do I need to get my eyes checked or is that Poppy, the girl that Ren's been seeing? And the other guys are just like, that's Maury. Yeah. <laughs> probably miss Maury to you. like. And I, I don't remember who, but one of them was like, did anybody expect Maury to be strangely attractive? <laughs> there is a running gag that they like take bets and stuff mm-hmm. uh, that is mentioned multiple times. That's very believable to me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, what part does Ollie ask about the jar of teeth on Maury's desk? <laughs> I think that must have been, like, episode eight, the mm. end of episode eight. Okay. Is, yeah, we, we did kind of skip over before Maury made a reappearance. Um, we are, we're doing this from memory, uh, and we are very fallible. <laughs> Hopefully no one, like, goes in the comments and is like, you got all of the episodes wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> I would love to have such a dedicated fan base that someone is fact-checking me. <laughs> like, dear listeners, if you want to be so dedicated that you go through all the episodes and re-listen so that you can fact-check me, I love you. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a piece of artwork. I'll send you a piece of Mori artwork. That's, this is an offer. Fact check me. <laughs> Only like the first... If, if anyone listens to this in the future, uh, it, it's, you know, 
like the first five people to do it. The first five people. Okay. <laughs> After that, it's just gratuitous and you're being pedantic dicks. But the yeah. first five people are lovingly loyal fans. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so yeah, the meeting gets adjourned. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry, we were going back to talk about Ollie and the Jar of Teeth. Yeah, because he's like, why does she have these? And he's like, she was an executioner, Ollie, you know. She tortured people for a living. <laughs> yeah, James had told Ollie, hey, you're going to be taking over for Maury. Mm-hmm. And, she, like, got him moved into her old office. And that's when Ollie's like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Thank you, but what? Yeah. Ah. But, like, when the meeting adjourns, doesn't Ollie go with her for some reason? Like, she's like, I'm going to show him something or bring him with me on a case or something like that. I think she asks, Ollie, have you ever killed a man? And then they leave. (laughs) Poor Ollie. And Ollie, yeah, Ollie looks kind of uncomfy uh, for a multitude of reasons. uh, All of which are valid. So, (laughs) this is the T-A-S-M-R. Oh, now it's not doing it. <laughs> the little lid was shaking. <sighs> so James is like, well, I need to go talk to Ren. <laughs> so he goes up, and he, like, bursts into Ren's office. Ren is in a meeting and is like, I think we need to adjourn this meeting. Like, James clearly needs to talk to me right now. And James is just like, what the fuck, Ren? Yeah. <laughs> I always love this part because Ren's kind of like, oh, you think you were surprised? <laughs> you should have seen my face when she came into my meeting, kissed me, and grabbed me inappropriately. <laughs> yeah, so Maury apparently greeted Ren that morning by throwing a knife at his head. Like, oh, that's right. the sexual assault, also bad. Um, mm-hmm. But the throwing the knife and like grazing the sides of side of his head or you know even maybe cutting off some of his hair and stuff was a big deal mm-hmm. and he's saying that he had to talk people down from uh you know drawing and shooting at her and being like no 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 it's cool this maniac works here <laughs> <laughs> she's one of us <laughs> she's one of us um yeah so james concedes that yes maybe ren had a more surprising morning than he did and then I think Ren again says something like, but you're not actually serious about Maury, right? Yeah. And James is like, can I date her now? And Ren is like, I would really rather you be careful of her, but mm-hmm. I apparently have no control over what you're going to do. Yeah, because James is kind of like smug when he goes in to talk to Ren. Like, he's like, oh, you thought you had her under your thumb. And she comes in here, like, kissing people and throwing knives and interrupting meetings and stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. I've, so, <laughs> I've been in so many meetings that just would have benefited from someone coming in and throwing a knife at someone's head. <laughs> That is the hallmark of a of a good NPI meeting. <laughs> Knives get thrown around as a member of the safety committee. I disagree. <laughs> hmm. We'll we'll continue. I don't want to make you mad on air. Okay, so after that, um, James goes home. I I don't remember if he does anything else between then or if if we just kind of cut to him going home. But you know what? It's it's fair. He's had a that's enough. Mm-hmm. Some days you're just like, well, that was enough of today. Yeah. 
So he goes home, and um, to his surprise, Maury's already in his apartment. And then she explains herself as saying that flustered men are easy to pickpocket, with the implication that she pickpocketed Ren for his keys. And then she also, you know, we had heard in early episodes that she was kind of buddy-buddy with the janitor in corrections, Mm -hmm. um, who would copy keys for her and such. Yeah. So, yeah. They're in James's apartment. James is like, wow, that was a lot. Um, and, you know, comments on her broken nose. And, which I guess we haven't talked about as a plot point, is that Ren had his nose broken by James when they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because James was pissed off. He could have been, but no, they were sparring and... James broke his nose and broke his hand while breaking Ren's nose. And that's kind of a thing that he gives Ren shit about um, constantly. Mm-hmm. So Maury had a broken nose, and I think James realized, like, oh, Ren probably did that. And he asked Ren, he's like, did Maury give you a reason for breaking her nose? And Ren's like, no, but I think I know why. But then we don't get to know why. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the implicate, I don't know, it's hard to know what the implication of the story is because we've talked about it so many times, but, like, you get the idea that she's trying to, like, mimic a lot of Ren's, like, persona at work, like, the broken nose. That's definitely part of it. Intimidating personality in her own way. (laughs) That's very much part of it, um, is that, you know, she does idolize Ren in this way and is, like, kind of trying to be Ren in a certain way. Um, I mean, there's other reasons, too, why she had the nose broken, Mm -hmm. which I I think we'll get to, like, in the next couple weeks will be more obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, and she's just like, quit with the small talk and uh, let's bone. Mm -hmm. And James is like, okay. Yeah, and then, like, it's one of the scenes where you don't actually see much of the boning. They're just you see in none of later. the boning. Yeah, no, you see none of the boning, because this is no longer important mm-hmm. to James. Um, so then, Maury got James a present. Yeah. <laughs> this, this makes Savvy really mad. Because it's like, I mean, <laughs> we've talked about how I went through the book the first time. I didn't really pick up on all the toxicness of their relationships. <laughs> yeah, so Savvy read, the bo- <laughs> Savvy read the book a couple years ago, like before. Actually, she's part of the reason, like, what made me want to do podcast audiobooks <laughs> is because I didn't read The Eagle to you, but I did read most of Unwoven to you at your kitchen table one afternoon when you were meal prepping. I just sat there for three hours and read it to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, like, and that was a couple of years ago. But yeah, so Savvy read this a few years ago. Uh, and she got <laughs> she got up to this point thinking uh, that... James and Maury were, like, hashtag relationship goals. Yeah, like, I was rooting (laughs) for Maury and James actively getting more upset at Ren as I read through this book. So I'm like, ah, he's such, like, a bad friend. Like, (laughs) he's keeping James from this girl that he really likes and all this stuff. And then, like, this was the first episode where I was reading it through. And I guess he wouldn't read through the episode. But it was, like, the first part of the book where I was reading it through and she gets him a bottle of whiskey. And it's like, James hasn't even... Even, like thought about drinking in the last few episodes like he's 
probably pretty good at his recovery right now. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, it's kind of not good. That seems bad. And then James is super awkward about it and is like, oh, thanks. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, so he get, yeah he gets really awkward and kind of defensive about it that and like he, it's like icky because it's like he clearly feels vulnerable and stuff and like he's getting up and like he's getting dressed and stuff. Yeah, like he starts everything. putting his clothes on and stuff. It, um, like yeah, in his own apartment, poor guy, um, and is saying that you know, like I, I'm not super comfy with this, and she's like, I thought you were supposed to like cater to all my whims for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. that's what Ren had told him after she had saved his life after he got stabbed and james is like yeah but still like what do you want maury and maury's like what's that supposed to mean and he's like you're look if you wanted someone to like read your mind like you picked the wrong guy and he says that like three times like if you wanted this you definitely picked the wrong guy Mm -hmm. and i mean he's talking about ren like because that's kind of whole ren's thing is that everyone acts like he's a psychic or whatever um he's fucking ren Ren's a lot yeah and so then maury is like i want to get married yeah so out of the blue you want to get married and james is like what (laughs) okay yeah and maury's like come on it would be nice everything and james is like well if that that makes you happy all right yeah, and like she, and then she's like, "Will you ask Ren because I'm scared of him?" And it's like the first time you hear Maury say anything about being afraid of anyone, and it feels very manipulative when it happens. Yeah, it's super. Like it's it's the middle of the night, and like James tries to turn on the light, and then she doesn't want the light on and stuff, and she's crying, and she's like, "Yeah, can you take the paperwork and stuff for Ren to sign off on?" Mm-hmm. And James is like, "Okay, I mean." yeah (laughs) that seems a little bit overreacting but yeah sure um yeah (laughs) so then he takes the paperwork to ren and ren is just like pardon me (laughs) the person you just said you wouldn't get too serious with (laughs) yeah like yeah he he goes on a whole thing about how you know you told me that you just like fucking her Mm-hmm. Ren swears canonically like maybe six times across three books and five of them are quoting James back to James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Um, yeah. And so Ren is basically saying that, no, I think this is a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to sign off on this as it is. You need to go refill out the forms because you filled them out incorrectly. Um, like paging someone to bring Maury into his office so that he can talk to her. Yeah. Um, and James is like, I can't believe you're actually jealous. Because Maury planted that idea in his head. It was like, I think that Ren's going to be jealous, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm afraid. And, you know, that stuck in James. And it was like, I, I thought she was being ridiculous. Like, I can't believe you're actually jealous. And Ren's like, this, I'm not jealous. <laughs> and, you know, James isn't having it. Yeah. Maury shows up. They talk. You know, she's really sweet. Like, oh, you know, it's the happiest day of my life. And James goes off to get the paperwork so he can fill out. And he's sitting in the waiting room. The people are at lunch. And he's thinking through this. And he's realizing, like, obviously Ren's just buying time. Ren just wanted to talk to Maury. Um, 
you know, and something isn't lining up because that's not like Ren, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, Ren has, like, the person, the interpersonal relationship skills of a potato. Like, that's not really, like, Ren to care that much. Yeah, and, like, you see him have, like, the moment where something, like, clicks in his head, and he's like, I feel like I should get back to Ren's office. And, like, as soon as his thought process is, like, about to click, he hears a gunshot down the hall, and he runs. And that's where episode nine ends, which was, I don't know, I'm proud of that cliffhanger. <laughs> it's a good cliffhanger. <laughs> I remember reading it and being like, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we get into episode 10. Um, whew, we've, gone on a, we've gone on a journey. Get into episode 10. And um, James gets back to Ren's office and Maury is dead. And uh, we don't immediately see that. We we just see, like, him lunging into the room and stuff. And there's a crowd of people gathered already. There's a few people in the room already. They shut the door behind him. And he's just, like, yelling at Ren. And Ren's not talking to him. Mm-hmm. And he, like, lunges at Ren and then gets pulled off of him. And then he lunges at Ren and, like, grabs him by the throat. Yeah, I love that part. Because it's, like, he makes a scene like he's going to leave. And then, like, when everybody's like, oh, it's okay, man. He, like, turns back around and grabs Ren. <laughs> it takes like three grown men to pull him off yeah, of Ren. It, it took like yeah, it took like three grown men to pull him off of Ren, and then like Ren's still not talking to him directly, and the other guys in the room are trying to be like, hey, like there was an altercation, like mm-hmm. you know she had her knife out, like she was ready to throw it at him, like we haven't moved anything, like you can see, like she was in position, and James is like she you know was always joking around and fucking around, and they're like. Dude, she threw a knife at Ren's head the other day. Like, yeah. it didn't sound like they were joking. And then, um, like, one of the officials, Carter, threatens him, like, I, like, don't make me shoot you, James, and pulls a gun on him. And James just fucking, like, elbows him in the rib, like, rips the gun out of his hands and aims it at Ren and, like, has his finger on the trigger. Mm-hmm. And Ren's just like, you couldn't kill me if you wanted to. And you don't want to. And, <laughs> yeah, James, you know, James puts the gun down. And it's like, you're right. And Maury couldn't have either. And then, you know, just gives the gun back to Carter and is like, fucking out of here. And yeah. He, uh, yeah, he storms off. And in the distance, just hears Ren being like, oh, he's had a long day. Yeah. Oh, Ren did make one other shitty comment, too, in that scene. Is Ren said, um, send Ollie my condolences I think he's the only person who liked her half as well as you did. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which, yeah, no. It was super emotionally charged. So James goes back home. And enters a period of depression. (laughs) Yeah. No, he's, he's struggling. He's really struggling. And I think he's at home for about like a week or so. Um, and he's, he's not doing anything. He's having a bad time. And then he finally decides that he's going to go like into work. Mm -hmm. And when he goes in, um, at first he thinks like he's going to take the back hallway so he doesn't have to talk to anyone, but he doesn't have the energy to do that. And he walks by Dante and Dante is like kind of shitty to him, but like he doesn't know what's going on. So like he makes some comment about him like leaving or missing work for like a week or something like that and then james says something along the lines of like his lover just getting shot and then dante's got the like oh shit 
face. Like, yeah, because we get the impression that maybe not every like I think most people assume that James and Maury's relationship wasn't romantic. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I don't think anyone thought that except James. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Dante's like trying to talk to him and stuff and like look we need some help and stuff like we can't keep doing this without you around and stuff like i'm struggling to do this i need help and then james is like i don't care and dante finally says something about ren and james is like i don't fucking care about ren <laughs> i and, don't want to see him right now <laughs> yeah and dante like and you know straight up says that he the only time he wants to hear about ren is if ren finally decides to off himself so that he can spit on his corpse and mm-hmm. calls him a sociopathic fucking weirdo. Uh, and then Dante's like, you really shouldn't go in your office right now. <laughs> James goes in his office anyway and Ren's there. Yeah. And Ren's like, that was poetic. <laughs> I love a man that can take an insult well. <laughs> oh. No, and so Ren tries to, like, appeal with james to get him to close the door and like talk to him but james doesn't want to have you you look so entranced like you're so caught up right now it's such a like hard episode to listen to because james is just like a shell that whole episode like you can just see that he's just got all these feelings going on and he can't really deal with any of them and then like, I remember reading it through and, like, feeling so frustrated for him because it's, like, no matter where he looked, he either had to deal with, like, his past with Maury or, J- or Ren presently. Yeah. So there was, like, no getting away from all of these problems that were surrounding him. And it's such a hard moment. And that conversation he has with Ren were, like, you know, you would expect James to get mad or something, but James is just kind of like, I I can't even care. I don't even have the energy to care. Yeah, it- it is super emotional. Like it's so, <laughs> is you know he's he's trying to leave the room, mm-hmm. and Ren's like wait, and he just turns back and he's like, did Mori ask you to wait before you killed her? Yeah. And then he go, he goes back home. He goes back home, and it's like another week before he's able to like leave his apartment again. Like he's not doing good. Um, the famous scene with him in the tub. Is it is, is the orange juice scene in this episode? I think so. Because <laughs> that was one of the ones I tried to draw for the cover art, but I couldn't figure out how to draw okay. someone in a tub. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, James is so low. He's sitting in the bathtub, fully dressed, drinking... Stale orange juice. <laughs> like, fermented orange juice from the back of the fridge. And he doesn't even like oranges, but... You know, it was in his fridge, and, like, what What do you do? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when you're that depressed, and it's like you get out of bed and you just kind of move from spot to spot, and you don't really do anything. Um, and then, yeah, he throws... He finally gets upset because it's, like, overall, even more than being upset about Maury, because he's kind of realizing, like, yeah, the relationship we had wasn't really good most of the time. He wants to talk to Ren. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, but Ren killed her. Yeah. Like, he's super upset and he throws the mug across the room (laughs) it hits the towels hanging on the towel rack and it lands on the bath mat and doesn't even break yeah (laughs) like it just lands with a soft little thud such a good metaphor for his emotions at the time i don't know (laughs) yeah reading that being like oh (laughs) and the cup doesn't even break the cup doesn't even break (laughs) And yeah, he he finally 
he decides that he'll just, you know, take the next day when it's time to take the next day and he goes to bed and he, you know, gets back up. I think he like shaves his head, gives himself a haircut and everything and goes back to work again. And this time when he goes in his office, Dante's in there um, because now Dante has his old job. Mm -hmm. Dante was given his job and he's like, where does this leave me? And there has to be a mistake. And Dante's like, maybe that was telling your boss you wanted to spit on his corpse. Maybe that was your mistake. Yeah, Dante's basically like, I don't fucking know and I don't care where it leaves you. Yeah, and I mean, Dante does like kind of try to be like, hey, do you need like some help do you want people to bring your stuff by like you should probably figure this out like i feel like he was kind of trying to reach out but Mm -hmm. james is so hostile i mean and during this conversation james notices um a a limp of blood on his floor in his office that there's like this blood streak Mm -hmm. and that reminds him of lexington who at the beginning of the book um we saw him kind of come through with or Maury talks about him having come into the office um, limping with one foot that had been shot by Ren, which we saw at the end of Unwoven. Uh, God, maybe we should do a, a recap episode for Unwoven oh, one of these days. Like, so you didn't read Unwoven. Well, it will be shorter. <laughs> it will be shorter. Anyway, it's going to mimic doing it, but then that's going to get us on another tangent. And we're so close to the end of this episode, which brings us up to where we are currently. It's through the first 10 episodes, um, which we are um, about halfway through the book, a little more than halfway through. Uh, about, we're about halfway through the book. It's part of why we're doing the recap episode. Also, because I feel like it changes. Once Maury dies, then, then we can focus on everything else happening. Yeah. <laughs> focus on the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, so James goes down to the uh, cell where Lexington is being held. And, oh God. If you didn't read Unwoven, then you only met Lexington very briefly at the beginning of the book. And then kind of from Ren talking about him. But basically, oh God. Lex is this twerp, and he was he was low ranking. <laughs> that that is the technical term. Yeah, he's low ranking, but he was working for Ren, and he was basically kind of as a proxy prodding on Luna's life. And Luna was someone that Ren had dated in his early twenties, and who was also like really close friends with James, and. It was a relationship that Ren never really got over because she kind of broke up with him because she had to pick between him and her career and she wanted to do her career because this is a very like misogynist uh, culture and everything and she really couldn't be in a relationship with him and continue to have her uh, autonomy. We don't see as much of that with Mori because Mori just does whatever the fuck she wants. But for your average, like, you know, person suffering from the dystopian aspects, um, you, you really weren't able to do that. So, Lex, uh, at the end of Unwoven, had killed Luna because he, you know, says that he thought that he was killing this spider that... Um, they were all hallucinating. It's a- ambiguous intentionally on if the spider was, you know, a real being or not. But he he kills Luna, and that obviously does not make Ren happy with him. <clears throat> nope. <laughs> so James checks in on him, and he's 
just like a, a shell of his former annoying self. Yeah, if I said that James was a shell before, he's just... A husk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, even the way he speaks is differently. Like... <laughs> Which has nothing to do with my voice dropping. One hundred percent plot device, and not that my voice has dropped in the last six months. But like, even the way you like acted out, like his talking, he doesn't have as much of like the self-centered things anymore. He's much better at listening now. <laughs> it only took being tortured by Maury for however long yeah, he's in there. Because <laughs> that's what we find out is we find out that uh, even though Lexington was not supposed to have any contact, and James was was supposed to be the only one who really had a key. Uh, Maury had, of course, gotten a key and had been down there, like, interrogating him to find out about James, to find out about Ren, and to find out about Luna. Um, just for her own, like, we'll get later in the book, we'll touch a little bit on trying to figure out some of her motives. Mm -hmm. um, but for right now, we just know she was doing that. And James is like, of course she was. And so he just tells the whole fucking story. He, he gives... He gives the recap that we gave you <laughs> to Lexington. Yeah. And then Lex is like, yeah, I don't think that was a crime of passion. Like, I don't think Ren killed her because he loved her and was jealous about it. Like, that's not Ren. Mm-hmm. And James is like, no, I guess not. This is just shitty. And he feels bad about Lex, too. And Lex tells him that he's, like, you know, the only human that's worked in delinquency and it kind of talks about like you know the core people in delinquency which of course we know ren and james really well we will meet elliot later um we we kind of briefly met elliot during the speeches at ren's ceremony mm -hmm. and then um I, I think it also name drops mar and denton which i, I don't think denton really comes up in this book mar does later mar is um on the kind of like chairman upper level fuck what are they called it is chairman right uh, sure yeah <laughs> yeah i should know this like military ranks no no because <laughs> they have the whole thing like they have the different departments because they have like the department of agriculture and the department of people and delinquency and enforcement both fall under the department of people and ren moves up to the director of the department of people but then they also have like the rank above that where it's like uh, this council yeah that's that kind of runs stuff in the background mm -hmm. um anyway mars is like a super important way up there guy that got his start in delinquency and uh we hear kind of james reference and ren reference that he did a really shitty job running it mm -hmm. when he ran it which would have been around the time that they both first kind of enlisted mm -hmm. oh, god there's so much there's so much lore so yeah lex is saying hey you're you're like the only like human and then james gets kind of upset because when he thinks about someone who is like truly human not a bad person the only person that comes to mind is luna yeah he says like luna i think he says luna was like the best of all of us or something like that yeah he does i mean he clearly thinks really highly of her and you know that's not addressed very much like we we see that ren's sad but luna and james were genuinely really good friends mm-hmm um, but, we, like, we don't even get to touch on his grief because he's so focused on, like, comforting Ren when that happens. Yeah, and he just kind of has to deal with it on his own. Yeah, which I, and by deal with it, he doesn't deal with it. Yeah, we've seen how James deals with things. <laughs> um, so, 
yeah, he, he gets kind of upset about that. Um, that Luna was the only really human person that he, he had ever known and kind of goes on a tangent like about, you know, how she would always be kind to him um, back when they were all younger. Mm-hmm. And then um, James just doesn't feel good about Lex yeah. being, you know, in this horrible situation. Yeah. And, oh, and he, like, makes a comment that, like, they were all kids when they started out. And he's like, Lex, you were just a kid then. Like, I think he says something like, you're still a kid now or something like that. Yeah, because, I, I mean, yeah, Lex is, like, in his early mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're, yeah. It's a tough, tough scene. Um. So, yeah, he, he gives Lex the pocket knife that he had given Maury that he'd gotten back and then offers to kill Lex for him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, like, the last thing he says to Lex is that, you know, whether you meet Luna or Maury, tell her I miss her. And that's um, a really bummer way to end the recap, but that's... uh, (laughs) So that's the first ten episodes of The Eagle. Uh, Um, (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Bye. Um, Super uplifting. I <laughs> know. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's the first 10 episodes. That's where we're at in the book. Um, obviously, we're going to continue. We got, I think, about eight or nine more episodes of this book. And then there's also one other book that's going to kind of fit into this story um, that we'll get to later. My plans right now is I know, like, with Unwoven, I aired. Um, the first episode of The Eagle, where it fit between the end of Unwoven, like I spliced that. I'm going to be doing similar for the next book and splicing it in when it makes sense. But um, I will be making the entirety of The Eagle available on like Bandcamp or something so that y'all can listen to the end if it's going to drive you crazy to go on a tangent. (laughs) Um, But that's, yeah, that's where we are. Uh, I Hopefully this was... (laughs) insightful interesting and uh refresh anyone's memory if you've been with us or hell if you're just joining us halfway through the book uh welcome if you're confused um what so was james so was james (laughs) james is about to get more confused uh i want to make a joke that it's only downhill from here but that's not true right like it's like downhill and then uphill for a good while and then downhill steep downhill again and then it goes back up a little more then yeah i i'm just excited now that maury's dead we can focus on everything else that's going on james can Um, actually get better yeah which is a lot and i'm yeah i'm really excited to keep airing episodes with you guys i appreciate everyone who's been tuning in and i'm we're gonna wrap this up because this is a long special episode uh, thank you for joining me, Savvy. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, anytime you're always welcome to come do this again. If this was helpful, um, uh, we're thinking about doing a recap of Unwoven, <laughs> just called So You Didn't Listen to Unwoven <laughs> because you didn't like Lexington's voice. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, so until then, um, yeah, you guys let me know if this was helpful, if you want to hear recaps more often than every 10 episodes. Otherwise, I plan to do a recap near the end of the book again. And yeah, eventually do one for Unwoven. And I haven't thought about anything beyond that. That's brain, brain empty. 
I I have nothing to add. <laughs> Savvy has nothing to add. Um, I will put the link, as always, for her art page uh, in the description, because you should be checking out what she is doing, um, which is mostly <laughs> just decorating your new apartment. Yeah, like right now it's just <laughs> emptying boxes and figuring out where to put coats, but... <laughs> Well, you have motivation. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, Eric out. Thank you all. Uh, I love you guys. And uh, see you next Tuesday with hopefully an actual episode of The Eagle. Bye. Bye. <laughs>